How far away is that flood? One Mississippi, two Mississippi. I'm Torn Atkinson. Noah's flood probably didn't happen, but it's got a great story arc. I'm Joe Fulgham. Warning, this podcast may be deeper than it appears. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. I don't know how I knew you were going to try to make the sound and my brain went, what is he going to do for the sound? We should just put in the sound of a flushing toilet, actually. That would be a flood going away. Uh We need need the sound of a toilet going in reverse. Yes. that would be a flood. Can do Uh that, too. Uh Gurgle, gurgle. (laughs) Flood comes from Old English flood meaning overflowing of land by water, from Proto-Germanic flothus, from pre-Indo-European pleu, meaning flow or float. Can you spell flothus for me? F-L-O-T-H-U-Z. Okay, flothus. Yeah. It does sounds, sound like a villain. Sounds like a, one of the green lanterns that isn't green. Oh, yeah, it, like Larflees. <laughs> like the uh, the orange uh, lantern Larflees, flothus. So, flothus would be the blue lantern. Yeah, maybe. Whatever that may be. There, there are blue lanterns, and they uh, don't have that kind of name. The fear of floods is antlophobia. Antlophobia. Yeah. I, it seems like antlerphobia. I know. It seems like the fear of deer, but... <laughs> well, what's an antlo? Uh, a flood, evidently. Okay. Uh, so we're going to talk about an overflowing of land by a mass of water, river, sea, or wave. Uh, we will not be talking about floods caused by hurricanes, because we've got more than enough material for a hurricane episode all to itself. But we okay. will be talking about tsunamis, right? Uh, well, no, we talked about that in our tsunami episode. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, way back when, if you guys want to check that out, if you're if you're big fans <laughs> of, uh, of, of inundation of all descriptions. Torrin has the smuggest look on his face. <laughs> I just reminded him that we're also not talking about tsunami. <laughs> so all you Katrina fans out there, you could check your role because we're not going to talk about it. What if they're named Katrina? Uh, like Katrina and the Waves? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. How I'm fitting is on that? sunshine. Whoa. And don't you feel good when you're drowning? Uh, so I'm going to go way back in the way back time machine. <laughs> Netherlands, 1362. The first... 1362. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, the first Grote Mendrenki. <laughs> now, would people think that that was the unlucky century, or do they realize that it that the 13th century was the century before, and uh, now they're okay? I don't know. Yeah, last century. They're both bad. Stay out yeah. of either of them. Yeah. Uh, Grote, Grote Mendrenki. Grote Mendrenki. I sure do. It uh, it comes from Low Saxon, and it translates as great drowning of men. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, wind, death toll. 25,000 plus. That's a lot of people. Especially for 1362 Netherlands, I would think. That, that was everyone. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, this is a massive Atlantic gale which swept across England, the Netherlands, and northern Germany on or around 16th of January, 1362. It's also called the second St. Marcellus flood because the first St. Marcellus flood, which drowned 36,000 people, mm-hmm. took place on the same day, 16th of January in 1219. Who's St. Marcellus? Uh, I'm guessing that's like uh, St. Marcellus's day. You know, every, all the saints right. have a day in the calendar. Ooh. Mm-hmm. This North Sea... Does that mean that we can't have more than 365 saints? 
Yeah, they just keep bumping well, them off. This <laughs> is important. Three, 365 that have days. Yeah. Okay. I think no, they might double them up, actually. No, I'm pretty sure Saints are the Catholic version of uh, Menudo. Oh, right? As I soon see. as they stop being cute or serve a purpose, right. they get bumped off the end. Okay. Yeah. Now you're the saint of whatever. Yeah, exactly. Now it's the flood is on your day. Now you're the saint of pop music. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get uh, Ricky in here any day now. Uh, this North Sea storm tide swept inland from the Netherlands to Denmark, breaking up islands, making parts of the mainland into islands. and Breaking, wide- breaking up islands? Yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, sinking a part of the island or okay. inundating it so it became Not underwater. actually destroying islands and sending the part of the islands flying in different directions. <laughs> no, it didn't uh, burst. It okay. wasn't an uh, island explosion. Okay. It was an island going Just underwater. Just covered underwater. Yeah. Or, and then what happened after that? Uh, making the mainland into islands and wiping out entire right. towns and districts. Okay, okay. Uh, we've got like a classic woodcutting of uh, of this in action, which you can check out on the website, causticsodapodcast.com. Uh, this was characteristic of the unsettled weather in Northern Europe at the beginning of the Little Ice Age. Oh, this was. What do you, what do you call that in French? Oh, uh, Le uh, petit glass something. <laughs> Age. The Little Ice Age was a period of cooling that occurred from the 16th to 19th centuries. While it was not a true Ice Age, the term was introduced in the scientific literature by Francois Mathis in 1939. Okay. Mm-hmm. 1634, Northern Germany, the second Grotmendrenke. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, which was worse, the first or the second? Grossmendrenke. Well, it depends on whether you're talking about death toll or if you're talking about long-term effect. Oh. Because the death toll for the second Grotmendrenke is 8,000 to 15,000, although the actual number that's could not, be much higher. That's not nearly as much. It isn't nearly as much, but there were a lot of foreign workers who were working in the region. Oh, okay. Uh, and they the weren't on the census? Out, and they weren't, you know, uh, taken into account. Right, because they're furners. Precisely. This was a storm tide. So this, again, was a, uh, a gale and, uh, and stormy seas. It's also known as the Burchardi Flood. And this was merely the last in a series of floods that hit the coastline of Schleswig-Holstein during this period. In 1625, great ice floats had already caused major damage to the dikes in the area. And on the night of the 11th and 12th of October 1634, a massive storm tide struck, overrunning dikes. Much of the island of Strand was washed away and formed the islands of Nordstrand and Pellworm. Pellworm. So it took one island and it made it into two islands. How many hit points? So that means that that meant it doubled the size of the island, right? That's what that means? That's a good thing. When you take one island and make it into two islands? I think that's pretty much how it works. What's the hit points of a Pellworm? 5d8. Also, what's the color of a Schleswig Holstein? Uh, I don't know, but I feel like I want to eat one. Holsteins are normally, are they the, no, the, I'm thinking of the Jersey cow. That's the black and white spots. Oh, are you thinking that the meat then is colored like the outside of the cow is? Yes. Oh, I see. You if don't you leave know it out lot, long enough. You don't know a lot about butchering. <laughs> the most comprehensive report of the event is preserved from Dutch hydraulic engineer Jan Leegwater. <laughs> That's his actual name. You think he was born and he went, I got to become a hydraulic engineer, right? right? My, My name, name is, is League Water. Water. Yeah. And he wrote, oh, can I do a Dutch accent? On a strong door on the western side of the building, the lock bars sprang out of the post due to sea waves. (laughs) The answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Pixar Scottish accent again. It's a little more guttural. Okay. 
So that that's the, a very subtle, <laughs> subtle difference. <laughs> so that the water doused the hearth fire and ran into the corridors and over my knee boots, oh. about 13 feet higher than the mayfields of the old land. At the northern edge of the house, which stood close to the tidal channel, the earth was washed away from <coughs> underneath the house. Therefore, the house, the hallway, and the floor burst into pieces. Merida, no! Great sea ships were standing high upon the dike as I have seen myself. <laughs> yeah. I just went full Scottish on the I last know. little sure. bit. Oh, why, why fight oh, it? Oh, that's fantastic. On the island of Strand alone, two-thirds of the population of the island lost their lives due to 44 dike breaches. 50,000 pieces of livestock were lost, and the island was torn apart, forming smaller islands. Mm-hmm. The ambitious project by the Duke of Gautorp to shut off the, D- the Bay of Dagobol with one single large dike had been ongoing for the last 10 years, all of which was completely destroyed by the flood. Dagobol. <laughs> Dagobol. I like that they had a 10-year-long... You must go to the cons- system. <laughs> system. I like the fact that... Uh, they had a 10-year construction project that was wiped out in a yes. single night. That's <laughs> convenient. God, can you imagine like being one of the guys who'd been working on it? Like, ah, gah. Was anyone stranded on the Isle of Strand? <laughs> that, that's probably how it got its name. That, yeah. That's how it got a name in the first place. You would think it looks like a strand, like a big, long, thin island, right. but no, no, it's just people standing on there going, <laughs> Help! What the? <laughs> Help! Uh, the evangelical enthusiast and poet, Anna Ovena Hoyer interpreted the Burchardi flood as the beginning of the apocalypse. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, indeed it was. It's a very long apocalypse. Yes. Yeah, it's dragged on for quite a while. Today is the first day of the rest of the apocalypse. <laughs> That's my motto. For the next billion years or so. Yeah. Uh, long-term effects of this storm included saline seawater submerging fields so they could no longer be used for agriculture. Okay. Uh, in cultural terms, the old- Unless nor- you want to grow saltwater taffy. Because <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> Delicious. I want to be a saltwater taffy farmer. Ooh, or s- this is where they got salt and vinegar chips. Because <laughs> the potatoes. Uh-huh. Oh, this is these are delicious. <laughs> these are from the Nordstrand area. <laughs> In cultural terms, the old Nordstrand variety of the North Frisian language was lost forever. Oh, no. <laughs> the number of victims who spoke this idiom was so high, and many islanders moved to the mainland against the order of Duke Frederick III. Don't I, go, he said. Well, it, he kind of needs people there. <laughs> To, to rebuild? actually rebuild, right? So according to Nordstrand law, those who could not secure the land against the sea with dikes forfeited the right to ownership. In response to the massive migration of the local population, the Duke enforced the Frisian law of Die Nick will Deichen, die Mut Viken, which means from low German, who does not want to build a dike shall lose ground. But in German, it uh, it rhymes, so yeah. it's better. It is true. It is true. It should be the name of it's another like, song. It's like, yeah, it's like a campaign slogan. No, say it again to me. Die Nick will Deichen, die Mut Viken. It needs a little at the end or something like that. This is an early version of The More You Know. You could make it into a lesbian love story. Those who do not dike will lose ground. Okay, we'll get right on that. The Duke expropriated the locals' land and attracted foreign settlers with a charter that promised land and considerable privileges to investors in dikes. Warning, some mundrankies. So this is probably some the, the only s- storm in the history of the world that wiped out a language. As far as we know. As far as we know, yeah. <laughs> you know why? There were lots more, but uh, who, could t- who could talk about it? No. <laughs> it was all just gibberish. No, you know why they got wiped out so badly? Because it was such a regional dialect that when they're yelling help, no one knew what they were saying. I think he's saying, bring the butter. (laughs) Sorry, I don't have any butter. (laughs) I think he's thirsty. He keeps talking about water is the word that I understand. 
Like he needs lots of water or something? Yeah, precisely. Throw some water on him. There's a lot of gurgling. Man, that, would, gurgling. Make, that would make you mad. <laughs> You're like, help, horrible flood. All, <laughs> my, all my family and friends are dead. <laughs> Splash. People throw water in your face. Uh, 1889, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. The Great Flood of 1889 is what it's called. Also called the Johnstown Flood. No, not very inventive names for I was any about of these to say, this, Except this, for the Grotman Drinky. I was about actually. to say, this isn't Grotman Drinky. This is I mean, no Grotman Drinky, my friend. <laughs> what is, though? I mean, it translates to great drowning of men. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Cause was rain and poor dam engineering. The death toll was 2,200 people, and the damage was 17 million, which is the equivalent of 425 million in 2012 dollars. Okay, all right. Toward the end of the 19th century, Johnstown was a thriving community in the forefront of the new steel industry. Located in a valley among the Laurel Mountains in Pennsylvania, the Konama, that's, or as, or as I would like to pronounce it, Konmaug. Okay. <clears throat> the Little Konamaug and the Stony Creek Rivers all merged to flow directly through the heart of the town, making it a prime target for floods. Now, in the 1880s, the rivers were cut in half by pouring slag from the iron furnaces of the steel mills into them, creating more land for building. Oh, okay. So pouring slag into rivers is not a good idea, is what you're saying. Well, we'll find out. (laughs) By making more land space, the river's channels (laughs) were made narrower, which greatly increased the potential for flooding in an already flood-prone area. You increase Uh the pressure as you decrease the amount of space. Yeah, it's like um, like high blood pressure. Yes. Clogging the arteries. You you clog up your arteries with all that slag. Mm Mm-hmm. 14 miles above Johnstown, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania built the South Fork Dam as part of a cross-state canal system. It was an earthen dam, not well built. Ah, okay, not well built earthen dams. What, what bad can come of this? As railroads superseded canal barge transport, the Commonwealth sold the canal to South Fork Hunting and Fishing Club. The dam created a three-mile-long, one-mile-wide, 65-foot-deep lake for the club's recreational activities. So like fishing and duck hunting and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Developers lowered the dam, put in a screen to contain fish, which also ended up containing a lot of debris, mm-hmm. and removed and sold for scrap the three cast iron discharge pipes that previously allowed a controlled release of water. Okay, so hold on. So they had, they had the ability to control release water, and they got rid of that. Yeah, they said, let's... Who Let's make this? some money off of these uh, this uh, this scrap, this metal. <laughs> oh, scrap metal. Oh, was it was it just their bums stealing <laughs> copper? Is that what happened? So that they could buy whatever drugs people had then? Because I'm not 100% sure if the material that is used as an emergency runoff could be considered scrap, generally speaking. I think that actually serves a purpose. I think... Right. If you look up scrap in the dictionary... Well, they made it into scrap. Oh, okay. Sorry. They converted it to scrap. Yeah, so we that converted they could get rid it to scrap, yeah. and uh, then you can make some money off. Well, that's Got what it. happened when you moused over it, like in Fallout. You just look at this item, and it doesn't know what it does, and it just tells you it's scrap. Uh-huh. Yes. So you're like, exactly. all right, sold. I can sell that for five bottle caps. Mm-hmm. Heavy rains began to fall in the Johnstown area on Memorial Day evening, 1889. Mm, happy Memorial Day. By next morning, eight inches had fallen at the South Fork Dam, and the rain was still coming down. The water from the Lake Club was only two feet deep. The water from the Lake Club was only two feet from the top of the dam and continued to rise one inch every ten minutes. 
Oh, okay. An engineer for the South Fork Club twice sent warnings via telegraph to Johnstown about the critical nature of the eroding dam, but the warnings were not passed to the authorities in town as there had been many false alarms in the past of the South Fork Dam not holding against flooding. (laughs) So this isn't Boy Who Cried Wolf, it's Dam Who Called Flood. Yeah. At approximately 3.15 in the afternoon, the dam sent 20 million tons of water sweeping downstream towards Johnstown which had a volumetric flow rate. What's a volumetric flow rate, Joe? That's the uh, speed at which a volume of water travels? Past a certain area? Yeah, exactly. In physics and engineering, in particular fluid dynamics and hydrometry, the volumetric flow rate is the volume of fluid which passes through a given surface per unit of time. Okay. So So, so hold on a sec. So 20 million tons of water is now shooting down the river towards town. But what happened to the dam? Did the dam just burst or something? Like what? We jumped over the... The part yeah, you where, said the dam sent oh. them down, and I was imagining the dam going, all right, you water, get down there. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, the dam burst. Ah, ah, I see. Got it. So the dam didn't so much send it down as refused, uh, was unable to hold it back from <laughs> yeah. going down. Yeah. Okay. Here, have some. Here's the water I owe you. <laughs> yeah. I've been holding on to it for you for a while, yeah. uh, but I'm going to give it back to you all at With once. With interest. Yeah, that, yeah. it kind of it seemed like you were spin doctoring the dam there to make it look like it was more active. There's the yeah. volumetric flow right, right there, pal. Uh, it had a volumetric <laughs> flow rate that equaled that of the Mississippi River. Oh, that's a big river. In its deadly path were several small towns along the river's edge, a 75-foot railroad bridge, and a wire mill, all of which were destroyed by the roaring waters. No, not a wire mill. Yep. Wait, what is a wire mill? Is that like, that's what you grind pepper with? Took one of those down the river with it? Yeah, just just, just one. Yeah, it's where they, one. Oh, maybe it was like a warehouse full of them. It was them. an antique, though. Ooh, you, just, you hear all the grinding, all the pepper being ground as the flood traveled down. And you're like, that would be your advanced warning. I That'd hear, be your I hear, in the... I hear flesh, freshly and fleshly ground pepper. That is the TV studio where they they pump out political cop dramas. Oh, the uh, wire yeah. mill. <laughs> the best political cop dramas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Except for maybe season five. The water filled with the debris from its path, trees, houses, horses, cattle, people, locomotive cars swept through Johnstown. Wait. All of I, those things. Did I get my answer to what a wire mill was? It's a mill where they make wire. Oh, okay. Like, it actually is exactly what it sounds I thought, like. I thought, okay. you, I thought you were joking. <laughs> Before hitting the main part of Johnstown, the flood surge hit the ironworks, sweeping up railroad cars and barbed wire. Oh, more wire. Yeah. One witness on high ground near the town described the water as almost obscured by debris, resembling a huge hill rolling over and over. Oh, so you can't even see the water anymore. Yeah. It's so full of junk. Yeah, exactly. Like the water is kind of like just the vehicle by which all this shit is it, being. It's the the, the, the lubricating yeah. ball bearings <laughs> carrying all this junk. Yeah. So it looks like it. it um, <coughs> it's like a real life version of a shambling mound. <laughs> yeah, it's like a shoggoth. Right. Okay. Some 57 minutes after the South Fork Dam collapsed, the flood hit Johnstown, traveling at 40 miles per hour, that's 64 kilometers per hour, and reaching a height of 60 feet. Oh, that six-story high building is yeah. like coming barreling down on yeah. you? Full of like like a rolling 60-foot high hill of, of barbed wire and train cars and trees. And cattle and dead people and <laughs> horses and... Oh, God. It's like sounds horrible. It's like it's like when you look at a fight cloud in a cartoon, and all these hams <laughs> yes. and 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 giant hams are and coming out and whatnot. And, yeah. yeah, but it's people and horses and, and buildings it, that are coming out of it's a the Catamari Damasi of uh, uh, floods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The debris formed a temporary dam at a substantial railway bridge called Stone Bridge. Many people became trapped in this jam of urban flotsam. Mm-hmm. And then 
It caught fire. It, on top of it all, how does wait? How does a flood catch fire? I'm not sure, but the <laughs> flood caught fire and burned for three days, oh. and at least eighty people died in that in that Katamari de Macy uh, <laughs> flaming, ball, ball flaming fire. Ball there must have been tires bridge. involved in here somehow. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 1889, so probably not. But there's a wow. there's a picture in the also an artist interpretation of this event that we'll put on the website. Yeah, that you might want to check out. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Oh. <laughs> That's how a flood catches fire. It's actually the houses that are on fire, uh, and the flood just keeps going past. Didn't we see in our tsunami episode, we saw a burning flood uh, coming through in one of the videos, and there was like, stuff on top of the tsunami on fire. Floating just, down. Yeah. Nice. So somebody had a lantern inside their house, they let their house on fire, and it perched atop this giant shambling mound Fire's of insatiable. Flotsam. Even a flood can't put it out. <laughs> After floodwaters receded, the pile of debris at the bridge was seen to cover 30 acres and reach 70 feet in height. It took workers three months to remove the massive debris, largely because it was bound by the steel wire from the ironworks. <laughs> oh, God. I, man, three months of having to clear junk. Wouldn't you just go, let's keep that there and go build somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just build a road around it. Yeah, this is the new, this is the new junkyard. <laughs> Except the climax is when you decide to use dynamite, which is what they did. Oh. Let's just blow it up. Oh. <laughs> get, everyone, uh, get everyone around to watch and we'll have, it a, we'll have an explosion party. So, oh. yeah, so well, here's, that, here's that conversation. Ah, it's too much. Let's not worry about it. Uh, we could blow it up. Hey, the let's flood do happened that. on Memorial Day. I bet you this dynamite plan serviced right about the time of Fourth of July. Oh, when's Memorial Day? I believe Memorial Day is in the spring. Isn't that ironic that I forgot Memorial Day? <laughs> it's better than forgetting Remembrance Day. A lot of this stuff I learned uh, in the Stuff You Missed in History Class podcast and Sid Lieberman's Storytelling podcast. So if you want more information, then you uh, can listen to those podcasts. Nineteen twenty-seven. State of Vermont. Cause, rain. Death toll, 84. Damage. 84? That seems hardly... It seems hardly worth talking about. Except for the fact that it inspired one of your literary heroes. Okay. Rainfall during the month of October 1927 for the entire state of Vermont averaged 150% of normal, but some areas it was as much as 300% of normal. Okay. The heavy rain caused the soil to become saturated, so by the end of October, most of the rainfall would run off directly into the rivers. Late in the evening on November the 2nd, it started to rain in torrential downpour all over the state. In 36 hours, the U.S. Geological Survey estimated that 53% of the state received 6 inches of rain, 31% received 7 inches of rain, 12% received 8 inches of rain, and 4% received over 9 inches of rain. Does that add up to, does that add up to 200%? Pretty close. And then do I add all those inches of rain? So 9 plus 8 plus 7 plus 6. <laughs> That's how it works. Okay. Yeah. Me, uh, I'm good at math. I'm no mathematician. That's a lot but of I rain. Don't think, yeah, that's a lot of rain. Uh, the ensuing flood stands as the greatest disaster in Vermont history. Okay. Well, Vermont. 1,285 bridges were lost. That's a lot of bridges. That's probably every bridge in Vermont. Hey, man, have you seen that bridge? I can't find it. <laughs> it's not here where it's supposed to be over this river. Hundreds of miles of road and railroad track were washed out. The floodwaters claimed 84 lives, including that of the Vermont lieutenant governor at the time, S. Hollister Jackson. He was in a car when it got caught in a washout. Uh, but H.P. Lovecraft used the 1927 Vermont flood as a plot point in his story, The Whisperer in Darkness. Oh, that's right, because at the beginning of the story... The story is about uh, some uh, creatures from uh, outside of uh, from far away, 
from beyond uh, Yugoth, mm-hmm. which is Pluto. Okay. Who uh, hole up in the mountains and are doing terrible experiments and whatnot. On humans. Yeah, putting human brains inside of canisters and mm-hmm. it's horrible things. Uh-huh. And I guess they uh, even they could not use their super science to uh, protect against the flood because some of their bodies were seen washing down the, uh, the riverbanks after the flood. Are you saying that S. Hollister Jackson was an alien from another planet? Mm-hmm. The Migo, the funky from you got. <laughs> so that, although not particularly caustic in the death toll or damage variety, I just thought it was interesting that it actually played a part in sure. a story that you probably enjoy. Now let's talk about China. Okay. Who doesn't want to talk about China? Uh, not well. When if you want to have like high death tolls, the place with a lot of people is a good place to go. Yeah, let's talk about the Yellow River. 18... I don't know if I want high death tolls. I just want to add that. Well, it is caustic soda, so we kind of got to talk yeah. about it's our job. death tolls. It's the start. job that we made for we, ourselves. <laughs> we are the silver lining on the shit cloud of the world. It's our job that we made for ourselves and perpetuate yep. by our own choice. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 1887, Yellow River caused rain. Death toll. 900,000 people Whoa. combined in direct and indirect death. Okay. Yeah, see, I guess we'll find out what that's the indirect... what I'm talking about for we'll... deaths. September 28th, 1887, the rising riverbed of the Huanghe or Yellow River caused by silt accumulation coupled with days of heavy rain causes a massive flood. Uh, owing to the low-lying plains near the area, the flood spread very quickly, covering an estimated 50,000 square miles. Ooh, that's a big flood. <laughs> It's a lot of miles. After the flood, two million were left homeless, and the resulting pandemic and lack of basic essentials claimed many more lives as those lost directly by the flood itself. Okay, so there's the indirect yeah, life so loss. Yeah, so there's the you know, glub, glub, glub kind of death toll, <laughs> yes. right? And then there's the like, oh, I'm so cold because my house was washed away. And oh, yeah, and all my food went with it. And right. uh, mm, baby. <laughs> there's that kind of death toll. Yep. Uh, this is the second deadliest flood in history. Oh, wow. 1931. <laughs> yes. <laughs> China. Oh. Accumulation of multiple factors, heavy snow in the winter and cyclones in the spring. Oh, mm. that is just not nice. Death toll range death tolls count The death toll count ranges for this flood from as low as 145,000 to as high as 4 million depending on who you talk to. Yeah, right. From 1928 to 1930, a long drought afflicted China. Heavy snowstorms in the winter of 1930 were followed by a spring thaw and heavy rains that raised river levels significantly. Mm -hmm. 1931 was characterized by extreme cyclone activity. Damn you, Mother Nature. In July of that year alone, seven cyclones hit the region, whereas on average, only two occur per year. So in the month of July, they had seven cyclones as opposed to two per annum. Wow. So it was, uh, the, the cyclones were, were, were spinning big time. Uh, in July, four weather stations along the Yangtze River reported rain totaling over two feet in, for the month. The high water mark was reached on 19th of August with the water level exceeding 53 feet above normal. Wow. So I don't okay. care what kind of dike or dam or whatever, you didn't build it 53 feet higher than you thought you needed. And if you did, you needed to be 53 and, and an inch. Yeah, exactly. It still would have like that one little splash over the top. Chinese sources indicated the death toll of the 1931 overflow at 145,000. Of course they did. Right. With flood damage. So that's affecting, the official. Yeah, that's the official total. Right. 
Although even they admit that flood damage would have affected 28 and a half million people. Okay. Uh, most Western sources give a death toll of between 3.7 and 4 million people, making this the deadliest flood in history. The resulting lack of food and fresh water coupled with disease was, again, much more devastating than the flood itself. Right. Uh, in fact, there are stories of wives and daughters being sold by desperate res- residents for basic essentials, and cases of infanticide and cannibalism were also recorded in the aftermath. So that's part of that mm, baby yum 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 <laughs> baby yum yum uh, death toll. Mm, baby yum yum yum. <laughs> oh, geez, we're, this is gonna be a musical episode. <laughs> I am so hungry I could eat a baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I've never been that hungry, but I've never lived by the Yangtze River and got caught in a flood. 1938, Huang He. Oh, there you go again. <laughs> Let's just get rid of that river. Yeah. Well, this time it wasn't the river's fault. Oh. Following the onset of the Second Sino-Japanese War in 1937, the Imperial Japanese Army marched rapidly into the heart of Chinese territory. By June 1938, the Japanese had control of all of northern China. Mm. To stop further Japanese advances, military leader Chiang Kai-shek opened up the dikes, and the resulting floods covered thousands of square kilometers of farmland and even shifted the mouth of the Yellow River hundreds of miles to the south. Wipe them out, all of them. (laughs) Release the flood. (laughs) Thousands of villages were inundated and several million villagers driven from their homes. It has been called the largest act of environmental warfare in history. Execute order, glub glub. (laughs) Did they win the war? Uh, the, The strategic value of this flood has been questioned. We have Since? to save all these villagers from this attacking army. <laughs> Quick, drown all the villagers along with the attacking army. But well, the general survived, right? Well, actually, the ja- no Japanese troops drowned. Oh. Because they were actually outside of the range of influence. But they wanted to go in there. They did want to go in there. So Chiang Kai-shek was like, okay, we'll open the dikes up. We'll flood the area right. so they can't march through. Yeah. Uh, so their advance on a on a city called Zhengzhou was indeed halted, <laughs> but they actually went around the flood and right. invaded yeah. Wuhan from another direction. Okay, why you gotta so. wait? You gotta wait for them to be in the path of the flood waters. Yeah, did he learn nothing from Moses and ah. the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's army? Yeah, he waited till they were in the bottom of the Red Sea before right. he let the flood right. let the waters go back down. Chiang Kai Shek is obviously not a biblical scholar or much of a tactician. Yeah. The government claimed that the breach was caused by Japanese bombing uh, and used the heavy casualties to demonstrate the scale of sacrifice required by the Chinese people. <laughs> look at all these pe- look no. at all your friends who have died. This is what you must do. That is some amazing spin doctoring. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, well, they tried. They tried. They yeah. it. So uh, their initial, the government's initial report claimed that 12 million people had been affected by the flood. However, in 1948, it estimated the number of deaths at 800,000. Scholars exploring the archives now give a much lower figure, 400 to 500,000 dead, 3 million refugees and 5 million people affected, still making this the third deadliest flood in history. So China's got them all, first, second, and third. Uh, Besides the massive death toll, the flooded areas were affected for years. Upon recession of the waters, much of the ground was uncultivable as the soil was covered in silt. The irrigation channels were also ruined, further adding to the ecological toil on the farmlands. The flooded areas actually eventually became fertile recruiting grounds for Chinese communists, using the locals' anger towards a shared enemy to bring them into the ranks, because by the time the Civil War rolled around, people kind of figured out that the government was actually responsible for the flood and not Japanese bombs. Right. Uh, So by the 1940s, the region had evolved into a major guerrilla base for communist forces. Uh, They launched 
they launched from during the Civil War. Okay. So it's sort of like, you know, it was one of the factors that led to the overthrow of, uh, of the Chinese government. So it did have a happy ending. Well, but then you end up with Chinese communism, which, although, was that a pun on happy ending? No. <laughs> Sick. 1975, China. Again. <laughs> Construction of the Bankiao Dam began in April 1951 on the Ru River with the help of Soviet consultants as part of a project to control flooding and also electrical power generation. Because of the absence of hydrology data, the design standard was lower than usual for the dam. Oh. Cracks in the dam and sluice gates appeared almost immediately after completion. Mm. They were repaired, and the new design, dubbed the Iron Dam, was considered unbreakable. Yes. Don't they know that iron rusts when exposed to water? I just like the fact that anything that's considered unbreakable or unsinkable yeah. or unimpeachable or whatever always gets sunk and broken and peached. Yeah, all it means to me is people don't understand that you can't have 100% safety. Yeah. Like, there's no, if you start proclaiming that it's 100% safe, then there's something wrong with the way that you think about safety. <laughs> well, and not only that, there's human error involved. Yeah. Right? Chen Xing, one of China's foremost hydrologists, was a vocal critic of the government dam building policy, which involved many dams in this basin. He had recommended 12 sluice gates for the Bankiao Dam, but this was scaled back to five. That's less than half. That's less than half. <laughs> In 19- Torn with the math. <laughs> in 1961, after problems with the water system were revealed, he was brought back in to help. Chen continued to be an outspoken critic of the system and was again removed from the project. Nice. So they bring in the pro. He yeah. says, this sucks. You shouldn't do this. They went, you're fired. Yeah. Ten years later, they go, oh, shit, this damn sucks. Bring him back in. Oh, no, this damn sucks. That's not what we wanted to hear. You're fired. Yeah. Officially, the dam failure was a natural as opposed to man-made disaster, with the government placing an emphasis on the amount of rainfall as opposed to poor engineering. The People's Daily Paper maintained that the dam was designed to survive a once-in-1,000-years flood. Well, good. Unfortunately, it was a once-in-2,000-years storm. Oh, I mean it was twice as bad? Yes. Okay. Well, it was designed to withstand it when it would have 12 sluice gates. It wasn't built to withstand <laughs> once in a thousand year flood. In August 1975, Super Typhoon Nina collided with a cold front. And as a result of this thunderstorm system, more than a year's rain fell in 24 hours. Wow. 7.5 inches of rainfall per hour and 42 inches of rainfall in a single day. That's a inches. lot of rain. How far does that come up to on me? Uh, 42 inches, I believe, is like one meter, like almost exactly. So it's up to my belly button. Yeah, it's like three feet. On August 6th, a request to open the dam was rejected because of the existing flood in downstream areas. On August 7th, however, the request was accepted, but the telegrams failed to reach the dam due to wire failures. Right. The same storm precipitated the failure of 62 dams in total. The runoff of Bankiao Dam was 78,800 cubic meters per second. 78,000 cubic meters per second. That sounds like a lot. Uh, It's more than I can drink. 701 million cubic meters of water were released from Bankyo Dam in six hours. Okay. Uh, And 15.738 billion cubic meters of water were released from all the dams in the region in total. Oh. The resulting floodwaters caused a wave 10 kilometers wide. Three to seven meters high. Okay, okay. It traveled at 50 kilometers an hour and wiped out an area 55 kilometers long and 15 kilometers wide. Huh. Creating a temporary lake as large as 12,000 square kilometers. Okay. 
Evacuation orders had not been fully delivered due to telegraph failures, a lack of telephones in the rural area, signal flares that were fired were misunderstood, and some messengers sent to warn locals were caught in the flood itself. <laughs> look out! Look out! Here comes a flood! Glove, the flood glove. is coming! Oh, the flood is here! This is the flood! <laughs> I am in the flood telling you about the flood right now! That is exact. That was a really touching portrayal. Did you like my Chinese accent? Yeah, precisely. Uh, to protect other dams from failure, flood diversion areas were evacuated and inundated, and several dams were destroyed by airstrikes to what? release water in desired directions. Oh, okay. Strategic Str- uh, dam destruction. Strategic dam destruction from jet fighters. According to the hydrology... That sounds de- like a fun job, actually. Yeah, if you're a jet fighter, you know... Let's go blow up some let's dams. Let's go blow up some dams. We're it- saving lives, people. Approximately 26,000 people died from the flooding, and another 145,000 died during subsequent epidemics and famine. In addition, 5.9 million buildings collapsed, 11 million residents- 5.9 billion- Million. Million, sorry. Still, it's still a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not a billion, but uh, 11 million residents were directly affected. Unofficial estimates indicate that as many as 230,000 people might have been killed as a result of the dam break, which would make it the fourth deadliest flood in history. <laughs> Jesus. So China has the top four. China has the top four. And by a, by a landslide. How come we didn't do this from fourth to first? <laughs> I did it chronologically. Okay. I got a few quick notices of the top historic U.S. floods here. Compiled uh, by our compi- intern, Todd. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. The Mississippi River in 1927. Uh, significance of that is that it's the most destructive river flood in the history of the U.S. with 500 killed and 600,000 homeless. Uh, the sheer landmass involved in this flood makes it incredibly noteworthy across Illinois, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Some 16 million acres of land, or 26,000 square miles, were inundated with water from the mighty Mississippi. At Vicksburg, Mississippi alone, the water was 80 miles wide. Uh, like, here's what I want to know. Where did all that water come from? It had to come from somewhere else. Did like the ocean get lower somewhere else? Like, was, did somebody all of a sudden have beachfront property where they didn't have it before? You know, like yeah, on, the, on the other side of the ocean. <laughs> it's always on the scales of justice yeah. to back and forth. Like that's like when you when you have the river, you know, widened by eighty one miles and covers sixteen million acres. Yeah, you know, it's got to come from somewhere, right? I'm guessing, I don't have the data on that. I'm guessing since it's a river flood, that just massive rainfall swelling up the sources. Probably, the Mississippi, probably like most rivers, is fed into by a bunch of other smaller rivers. And if each and every one of those gets overflowing and then they collect into the Mississippi, then the Mississippi just goes crazy. So probably everybody in all those states you mentioned, they probably flush their toilets all at the same time. And that's That's, how this occurred. That's totally how it happened. Mm -hmm. The Ohio River in 1937, the flood of record for the Ohio River uh, was set in this and $20 million in damages were done. The flooding was so widespread, people were left homeless some 30 miles away from the river. Mm. Well, you'd think if you're 30 miles away from a river, you'd be like, eh, flood, no problems. Yeah. Honey, should we get flood insurance? (laughs) I can't even see the river Marge, from the roof of the we're house. 30 miles from the river. What a waste of money. Get <laughs> that money for alcohol. <laughs> it is Ohio after all. Uh, the Mississippi River in 1993, getting Wait, closer to modern day. The Mississippi River floods more than once? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. That is how you spell it. Did more than $15 billion in damages, and it was the second costliest on record. 
So I guess because even though China had these massive ones, that America actually has things worth money. Well, life is worth a lot less in China. We all know that. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, the water stayed at flood stage for 81 consecutive days. This is the flood that came and stayed pretty much forever. <laughs> 81 days straight of flooding. Yeah. God, you'd you'd be like like a you'd shrivel up like a prune. Right. <laughs> right. You just like, pan body. <laughs> like after after a couple of weeks, you're like, should we just build a houseboat? <laughs> yeah, here? totally. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You just all of a sudden. No, it is a houseboat. We just you know. But I'm getting so fit and trim from all the swimming. (laughs) And kayaking to work every day. The Big Thompson Canyon in Colorado, 1976, did $35.5 million in damages and killed 144 people. Uh, Flash floods are incredibly devastating. That's what this was. A tremendous amount of water comes in a very short time. In these mountainous areas, you have a much higher potential for a flash flood. I'm guessing because, you know, you've got the channels for it to go through rather than just a big open area. Uh, This particular case sticks out because of the intensity of the water as it rushed from the Rocky Mountains into Big Thompson Canyon. 12 inches of rain fell overnight. The water speeds were very high and people were just washed away. They didn't have any escape. It all just happened super fast. Information I have on this Mm. is that it proved a tragic illustration of a sobering statistic. 95% of those killed in a flash flood try to outrun the waters along their path rather than climbing rocks or going uphill to higher ground. Oh, so public service announcement. Rapid City, South Dakota in 1972, $165 million in damages and 238 dead. Uh, This was another flash flood scenario near the Black Hills of South Dakota. What was the name of this city? Rapid City, South Dakota. (laughs) And they come aboard to Rapid City. (laughs) Flash floods, first stop. Here in Rapid City, we don't do anything slow, including getting flooded. (laughs) Uh, As noted, flash floods are especially dangerous, but this one happened at night, making it even worse. Oh, yeah, because people don't usually sit up waiting for flash floods to happen. Right, right. You're basically lying in bed, and all of a sudden your entire room is filled with water, and you're half asleep and don't know what to do. I do like pools, though. So maybe if I didn't have a pool before and all of a sudden I've got a waterbed? Huh? <laughs> this wa- was 1972. Waterbeds were kind of all the rage. Oh, totally. People just probably thought they sprung a leak. Yeah, exactly. And by the time they found out that they didn't, it was too late. Mm-hmm. Then all the people without waterbeds, their beds might actually float for a while in the water and they're Everyone's laughing at all, everybody else without <laughs> waterbeds. Sucker. Would, hey, wait, would a waterbed float? No, it's full of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if it's plastic, a plastic would float. No, but it's full of water. You could take a you could take a waterbed, empty out the water, and then inflate it with air, and that would be fantastic. But but, but hard to be, I do don't it think you'd have time during a flash in flood scenario flash in the middle flood. in the middle of the night. Well, here's you just need to stick an inflated waterbed on top of your water waterbed, and then you're double protected. You get the motion of the ocean. Plus flash flood, you float right away. That's right. Mm-hmm. Central Valley, California, 1861 to 1862. Happened right at the end of 1861 and lasted in through t- till January. Uh, this is known as the storm that caused California to go bankrupt. What? Yeah. <laughs> what, did it, did it rain on their money and all the ink ran or something? Well, these storms also called the Pineapple Express. I don't think any relation to the movie. Uh, Our atmospheric rivers where moisture from the Pacific is very efficiently pumped in over the West Coast. In this case, a tremendous amount of rain was dumped on an area of California's Central Valley that measured 300 miles long and 20 miles wide. Mm. 
This flood literally bankrupted the state because they were very dependent on property taxes, and one-fourth of the state's taxable real estate was destroyed. One-fourth yeah. of the... Yeah. 25% of taxable real estate in the state of California was destroyed. Yeah, they even moved the capital out of Sacramento for a while. <laughs> Holy Christ. Estimates for a similar storm of that magnitude in California today would cause $725 billion in damages. That's <laughs> it, it, only because it would wash away James Cameron's house, which and, is worth like $724 billion, right? And really, here's the question. What's to stop it from happening again? Nothing. Well, the name Pineapple Express is, and they would, they would, they would end oh, up in copyright a copyright infringement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're not allowed to do so it anymore. To well, you do the Seth sequel. Rogan. You know what? Seth Rogan would rake in about seven hundred billion dollars in damages <laughs> every time anyone says Pineapple Express. It would. <laughs> it would. It, they would call it the Pineapple Express too, though. Uh, oh, that's all been referenced in the end. Uh, this is the end. He's got probably got a TM on that too. Mm. I 
Public service announcement. Woohoo! How to survive a flash flood. This comes from the Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook Extreme Edition. Ooh. Yeah. This is one of your favorite books of all time. Not to be confused with a flood flash, which is when a whole bunch of people show you their junk. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, are you in a car? Are you at home or are you on foot? Uh, ooh, let's go with my uh, waterbed scenario. I'm at home. You're at home. Home in bed? In bed with my waterbed on top of my air mattress. Yeah. <laughs> Still, I bet you that math does not work out. <laughs> when you see floodwaters heading towards your house, seek help. Okay. Uh, in help, in help. the form of? Because of. <laughs> in the, the form of Wonder Twins. Like <laughs> Wonder Twins, because then they can form a bucket and carry yeah, me out of there. Your, use your little wrist radio that goes directly to the Super Friends. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Oh, okay, I'll use my Jimmy Olsen, Superman's best friend watch to call yeah, Superman exactly. to carry me away. Precisely. Because of the risk of electric shock, avoid using a wired telephone if there is water in the house. Use a cellular phone. Who uses wired telephones <laughs> nowadays anyway? I know. How quaint. But, but th- there's an actual chance of you getting shocked by your phone? Yeah. Huh. Huh. It's, I'm, all, that, it's all connected. Find, We're all connected, Kevin. I find that shocking. Mm-hmm. Observe the water level. If the water outside is less than six inches deep and you are able to walk without falling down, that's the only one way to find out. <laughs> Move to higher ground. If walking... I regret testing that. <laughs> if walking is impossible, go back inside. Move to the highest floor. Uh-huh. How many uh, levels are in your uh, domicile? Uh, I live in a building of three floors, and I'm on the third. Okay, and, and Joe, you I are got on. two. Okay, I'm on. I can go upstairs. Okay. Your ground level? No, you got another level. I think, actually, I could probably get into my attic. Mm-hmm. Um, I two got an attic entrance, so yeah. The house is three or more stories. Move to a high floor. If the house is two stories or less, get on the roof. Yeah. Oh. So okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, I could probably make that happen. Okay. Get on the roof. Mm-hmm. The Sig- roof. Yes. <laughs> Signal rescuers. Use a whistle. Wave a white T-shirt <laughs> or another piece of clothing, or shout to make your presence known. Who owns a whistle? Who owns a whistle that you can like bust it out in time of flash flood? After this episode. Everyone's going to own a whistle. Oh, really? Everyone Perfect. in flood territory. I'll just download Everyone the whistle. Everyone who lives 30 miles from a river. <laughs> I'll just download the whistle app for my phone. There <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, now if you're in a car, uh-huh. watch cars in front of you. If you see drivers stalling or notice water reaching halfway up car wheels, do not proceed. Mm-hmm. Water may be deeper than it appears. A car will stall and float in six inches of water. Mm-hmm. If you're huh? unsure if the road is safe to drive through, get out of your car and check the water level using a stick. Okay, that makes your sense. Water level testing stick. So you don't have that. <laughs> so that you keep with your whistle. So I, yeah, I got to keep a whistle and I got to keep a stick for uh, measuring water. Put this See, in your flood bag, people. This is to avoid that comedy, like where you're walking along and then you just disappear, like yes, you know, exactly. in classic like Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy. Everybody style. makes fun of me in Dungeons and Dragons when I take a ten foot pole. Who's laughing now, Torin? <laughs> I wouldn't touch you with one. Exit the vehicle immediately if the car stalls or begins to float. If the door will not open, crawl out the window. You may need to break a power window if the car's electronics have become saturated. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Everyone knows how to break a car window, right? Yeah, with your forehead. You go, isn't it? You go sideways and kick with both your feet. Yes. Wasn't that the thing that we uh-huh. learned? Yeah. Or, or you keep uh, a little hammer in your glove compartment. Yes, a glass shattering <laughs> Again, hammer. next to your stick and, and your, your, uh, and your whistle. Mm-hmm. Whistle. Okay. 
get to higher ground as fast as possible. That's higher the place, than the roof of your car, I'm that's guessing. That's the place where all the stoners are hanging out. <laughs> the higher ground? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, come on up here. It's cool. If you are knocked off your feet by the rushing water, cover your head with your arms and attempt to float on your back feet first until you can grab a stationary object and climb to safety. So you don't crack your melon open. Right. Now, if you're on foot... Which that's you... why I wear a crash helmet at all times. That's right. Along with your stick mm-hmm. and your whistle mm-hmm. and your... What was our other thing? I will actually... The little I'm, tiny hammer. I'm starting to actually kind of look like a D&D character, aren't I? That's right. You got a helmet. <laughs> you got a 10-foot pole. You just hire a porter to bring all that stuff <laughs> you gotta, with you everywhere. You got a hammer. Yeah. And you, yeah, yeah, you, you're you're turning into a cleric. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you're, yeah, don't forget your holy symbol. <laughs> or if you're, or if you worship, God, what's the? If you worship Moradin, then you, I think the hammer the, is the your hammer holy is your holy symbol. Yeah, ah, but you need a silver one, right? You need the. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. Oh, still. But you could have a yeah, bang. Could do Maxwell it. silver hammer. Bang bang. Do a no. lot worse. Nerds. Anyone? <laughs> so now that you've left car, you're on foot. Find a flotation device. Put on a life jacket. So okay, so hold on. Life jacket, so, helmet, ten foot pole, whistle, hammer, whistle. Totally D and D cleric. Yeah, that's you, the armor, the life jacket. Yeah. It's your padded armor. Yeah, there you go. You are either a D and D cleric or you quilt it all and you become the greatest club kid ever. If you find Ooh, anybody yeah. suffering from damage from the flood, cast cure light wounds. <laughs> Remember, you can only attack with a mace. <laughs> Inflate a pool toy. Uh-huh. If you don't have a life jacket or if you don't either of those things, grab a foam sofa cushion. Okay, Torin, can you draw a picture of this person? <laughs> <laughs> I think I already did. Uh, don't use a down or cotton cushion. Oh, because sure it'll get foam. saturated. Because it'll get, yeah. yeah. Okay, I get that. Uh, wood floats, but a large piece of furniture may be unwieldy and difficult to carry. Right. Yes. Got it. <laughs> so you want to carry a piece, piece your hutch. of... <laughs> carry your hutch with you at all times. So if a flood comes, you can just lean back and float on it. Got it. Okay. Run. Ah, no Everyone deal. right now. No no run. deal. <laughs> sideways, but sideways, not in the direction that the flood is coming. Oh, like a crab? Yeah. yeah. Run yeah, sideways. <laughs> Exercise, not worth it. Scuttle. <laughs> Get to high ground or a high floor of a multi-story building immediately. Mm-hmm. If the water is less than six inches deep and not moving quickly, you should be able to walk quickly or run. The water level may rise quickly, however, and fast-moving water can knock mm. you down. Um and move to the roof. So be unsure of what to do. Yes. Okay. Do one of these things or do the opposite of that thing. <laughs> these suggestions feel unrealistic to me. One, I'm not going to have any of this stuff prepared for the tiny, well, tiny. That's your fault. We gave, of... we told you what to do. If you're yeah. not going to do it, you deserve to die. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me like it's uh, just kind of there. There. <laughs> there's not much to do. We'll <laughs> pretend that there's something you can do. Or just carry the complete library of Caustic Soda podcasts with you at all times. And if in the event of any disaster, you will have the information at your fingertips. Could, should we sell a flood preparedness kit on causticgear.com <laughs> with, a, with a stick? Here's your whistle. Here's your and stick. And a whistle and a hammer. And, well, it, it, it'll, it'll be titled, the actual sale item will be flood preparedness kit and or Renfair costume. There you go. In the news. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of floods everywhere all the time. Flood is happening right now. Right now. There's a flood somewhere in the world happening right now. And none of them that are going on right now or in the recent past are all that caustic. So, I mean, people are dying and it's bad. Absolutely. But we're not going to waste any airtime on, uh, you know, some sort of just habitual flood. Yeah. So Wait, uh, we're on the air? (laughs) We're going to blow past news right now. But what I do want to point out is it's kind of odd we've gotten this far into an episode about floods. 
We've yet to bring up the topic of Noah's flood. Ah, I have some information on that. As a matter of fact, I have a scientific interpretation of the Noachian flood. So the question is that we called it? Uh, yeah, that's what they do. I don't. I think I'm pronouncing it right. It could be Noachian. Maybe it's Noachian or Noachian or Noachian or Noachian. I don't know. Or no you know, quinoa. Look at man, we live in the world where you're free to say things the way you want, Torrin, mm-hmm. and I'm free to make fun of you when you do it. Yep, it's true. So live your free life. Uh, so is the Bible story describing Noah and the whole earth flood true and slash or plausible? Uh, I'm going to just, no. yeah, I'm going to spoiler alert now. Interlayered with fossil bearing sedimentary rocks and all continents are layers of red beds containing fossilized mud cracks. The red beds contain red hematite or iron oxide, basically rust which formed while the muds were exposed to open air. Such evaporite deposits would be expected to occur where a marine sea was once present and which disappeared when the sea became completely dry. Okay. So, so when you have an ocean flood... Is, is, is digging, and yeah. they come to r- this red bed. They know that there was a sea here at one point. Yeah, there was a, a, a the sea had flooded to this point. So therefore, you could expect these to be at the top of the supposed Noachian flood deposits when the water receded but certainly not in different levels. As we read in the Bible that there is only one time in which the flood waters are said to recede, mm-hmm. right? Covers uh, the earth all at the same time. For 40 days Boom. and 40 nights. For 40 days and 40 nights, mm-hmm. and then it goes away. On that basis, the fact that red beds occur at different levels and time periods around the earth indicate that they could not have possibly formed at the same time in which a flood covered the whole earth for more than for more than one year. Although they said 40 days and 40 nights, so I don't know where that came from. So the Noachian... Uh, it rained, it rained for 40 it days. It rained 40. for 40 days and 40 nights. You're right. Correct. Thank you. So, so then, wow, if it rains for 40 days and 40 nights everywhere... I guess the question is, how long does it take for all that rain to evaporate? Over a year. For more than a year? According to the Bible. Oh, okay. According to the yes, Bible. according yes. to the Bible. Oh, okay. That's right. I, did, I didn't read that part. Okay. I didn't read any of the parts, and that <laughs> part is one of the parts that I did <laughs> So, the Noachian flood story cannot describe a whole earth flood, but it could represent a large flood in a local region. So they go from here and they, they say, assuming that the Noachian flood could have occurred in the Middle East, the Euphrates and Tigris rivers seem the most likely candidates to cause a flood of any magnitude. So they're already saying that the global flood couldn't happen, but this story could refer to a localized flood. Well, basically, they know what the evidence is of a sea flood, yeah. and there is no worldwide evidence of a sea flood at one specific time. So that right. there, if there had been a worldwide sea flood, they would have been able to go to these layers of sediment and go, here's the time when the entire Earth was covered. And they could look wherever these layers were and go, this one matches up to that one elsewhere in the world. That's and, right. and it doesn't, period. Mm. So there are several layers near the two rivers, the Euphrates and Tigris, that are likely flood deposits, one of which is 11 feet thick. That seems thick. Yeah. Flood debris from this deposit has been dated to 2900 BC in both southeast... Hey, that's when Noah lived. Yes uh, or no? Well... Uh, slightly before, I, yeah, I think. Mean, I'm not sure what the dates are on that. Yeah. Because Christ was zero BC, right? And Noah was before him. He was Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah, kind of in that range. In, range-ish. Right. In both southeastern and mid-Mesopotamia, the two rivers barely flow downhill, and natural levees along them rise only 10 to 15 feet above the river, uh, while surrounding floodplains are up to 65 miles wide and are nearly flat. So basically, there's a river going through a floodplain with like a bit of a berm on <laughs> yeah. each side so that it yeah. doesn't just spread out to this 65-mile-wide 
area that can be filled with water. A river speed bump, if yeah, Exactly, you will. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the watershed on which the flood could have occurred extends for more than a thousand miles from the Persian Gulf through Mesopotamia into Syria and Turkey, and laterally for more than 600 miles from eastern Saudi Arabia to north southwestern Iran. Oh, well, that's, so, a, that's, a, that's a chunk of change. That's it is a piece a, of land. It is a big hunk of land. If abundant rain fell, the tributary streams from all these countries would contribute water to the floodplains of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Evidence of poor drainage in this area are the present-day lakes in the area, such as Lake Hawar al-Hamar, which is 20 miles wide and 50 miles long, which would explain why the Noachian flood took so long to recede, as much as one year, according to Genesis 8.14. Okay. So, if a tribal chief, or somebody named Noah, Uh stood on the deck of a large boat or ark... In a floodplain covered with water, even just 36 feet above the water, he would not be able to see the tops of any hills that were even as high as 50 feet high, as little as 16 miles away. The drop in the horizon because of the curvature of the earth prevents it. Most hills are more than 65 miles away. Therefore, the survivors of a flood in this region could only see water in every direction. Northeast and southwest, the topography rises to more than 1,500 feet, but calculations show that elevations of 1,500 feet high cannot be seen more than 55 miles away, and these places are more than 100 miles away. On that basis, the whole world, in quotes, Mm -hmm. would definitely appear to be covered with water during the flood. And for the people in this part of southeastern Mesopotamia at that time, one could understand how they could interpret this as a whole earth flood. So what I'm taking away from this, Joe, what you're saying is... The curvature of the earth is the reason the Bible was written. This one story. <laughs> but isn't the whole idea that uh, the it, from the Bible is that it's God word, God's word, and uh, if God made the flood, then anything can happen and all rules are out the window? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's also no evidence for a magic flood-causing God either. No, this was this was God's opportunity to wipe the earth free of sin, right? Mm-hmm. That the the world's people were sinners, and it was time to drown them all. What well, I guess what you're Let's saying not forget all the animals. If, yeah. if you want to say that God can do anything, what you're really saying is God God did flood the entire earth in the way that the Bible exactly describes, uh-huh. and then He took away all the evidence yeah, of yeah. it happening That's everywhere exactly else, what I'm so saying. nobody oh. could see. Yeah, I see. That, this is, this that's is just, why it's called faith, Joe. Yeah. This is just like those uh, hardcore Christians who say that dinosaur bones were planted by God to f- test our faith. Exactly. Oh, I thought yep. it was planted by Satan. Oh, is that that too? Yeah, they were planted by Satan. Satan ah. went back to cause doubt by planting dinosaur bones ah. and even things like spreading uh, similar stories to what was in the Bible so that people would think that the Bible was just a, a, a rehash of old stories, which, by the way... Uh, they say about this, because both the Bible and the Epic of Gilgamesh contain information about birds being sent out from a boat to seek land at the end of a flood, and because in both stories these birds include a dove and a raven, uh, it doesn't seem to be a coincidence. This correlation strongly suggests that the biblical flood story was taken from the older Epic of Gilgamesh and was not an original report describing actual history experienced by Noah. It seems likely that, that the Babylonian Epic could have described an event in their history that inspired the biblical author. The difference is that the biblical account provided a theological meaning to the people of the time. The Gilgamesh one was just a huge flood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if I was a bird uh-huh. on an ark. So who's to say you aren't? <laughs> Ooh. You, uh-huh. you could be a bird on an ark. Shit, arc I gotta go. In, you could be a bird on an ark jacked into the Matrix. Yeah, right. okay. Right. Gotcha. Or having a dream. Uh, <laughs> Tweet. I dreamed that I was a human who had a podcast <laughs> and an alternative rock band. You have the worst dreams ever. 
And uh, human says, go out and find land and then report back. Uh-huh. I'm going out and finding land and not reporting back. <laughs> well, the dove brought back the uh, the piece of uh, branch or whatever. Came the, flying back with like a berry in the, its mouth or something. It was an olive branch. Yeah. Or was it olive? Uh, we're not Isn't biblical Isn't that a peace thing? Yeah. Well, it was... It all pe- ties in together. But it was mm-hmm. peace from God. It was... Uh, no, the rainbow was God saying, I will never do this again. Mm-hmm. Conveniently. <laughs> and he left a pot of gold at the bottom of it. Oh, wait, that's leprechauns. Leprechauns and God, same thing, right? They're both magical, <laughs> non-real things, yeah. <laughs> but then he did do it again in as seen in the movie Evan Almighty. Ugh, yeah. Let's go to <laughs> pop culture and talk about that movie. <laughs> well, it's got Almighty in the title, so it's got to be good, right? You know what I didn't realize when I watched this? <laughs> that it was a sequel to Bruce Almighty. I, you didn't realize that? I think I know, knew it and then forgot until yeah. after I watched... Or no, when... Uh, when uh, 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 a god showed up, um, oh Morgan god. Freeman. Mor- when Morgan Freeman showed up, I went, "Wasn't he the god?" And oh, this is a sequel. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you guys didn't realize that. It's got Almighty right after a guy's name, which yeah, is exactly like but, the first one. But Bruce. I haven't seen the. I haven't seen. Didn't see Bruce Almighty, oh, so it didn't even register. Actually, Bruce Almighty is decent. That's what I've heard. I don't. If I've seen it, I completely forgot about it. But Bruce Almighty, I found entertaining, and Evan Almighty, which I have not seen. Uh, didn't live up to expectations. Bruce Almighty takes absolutely no space up in my brain. Uh-huh. Like I just, uh, if I've seen it, meh, it was okay. I yeah, guess. it's entertaining. It's good to watch on a, on a rainy Sunday afternoon. Mm. Evan Almighty was from 2007, starred Steve Carell. Who is normally funny. John mm-hmm. Goodman. Who is normally good. Morgan Freeman. Who is normally excellent. And Jonah Hill. Who's Jonah Hill? <laughs> Jonah Hill's good sometimes. He I was don't know. actually probably the best part of this movie. Oh, really? He, he was well, pretty this good. Was, this was 2007. This was when he was really knocking things out of the park. I mean, this is just slightly predates Superbad and his appearance on Saturday Night Live from a couple years ago. And, you know, Jonah Hill's had some real uh, top shelf moments. I, I like Jonah Hill just fine. I was just making a joke. Yeah. I don't blame any of the actors in this movie, actually. Mm-hmm. It, it does not seem like it was any of their faults. Originally conceived as a direct sequel to Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey reprising his role from the original, Josh Stolberg's script The Passion of the Ark attracted high bids in Hollywood in 2004 and was eventually bought by Sony. That What did that script look like? Some stuff happens, let your actors mug for the camera for a while. Like That's what happened. <laughs> Director Tom Shadyak, who was part of a failed universal bid for the script, suggested to Sony that they partner to rework the project as a sequel to Bruce Almighty, with Carrie indicating he would consider returning. Carrie bailed on the project, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Probably read the script. Shadyak stayed on, though, with Steve Carell, whose star had risen from the success of 40-Year-Old Virgin, who agreed to star in the film, reprising the role of Evan Baxter, this time as the lead character. So he was in Bruce Almighty. He was in Bruce Almighty. He played one of the antagonists. Oh, okay. He, oh, that's right. He ended up doing the... Blah, 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 that's right. Blah, blah. Yeah, he, he made him speak weird on TV. That's right. But Jim Carrey played the, the weatherman at a news station, okay. and uh, Steve Carell played the dickish uh, news anchor. Okay, and then uh, you know uh, Jim Carrey got he he forced Steve Carell to have his comeuppance. So when, did, once he had the power of God. So how did you like this movie, Joe? I didn't at all. I thought it was uh, everything wrong with Hollywood. I didn't like it either. Oh well, that's two for two. It's really bad. Like uh, Steve Carell is hilarious, and I I I normally would watch Steve Carell mug for the camera for two hours and enjoy it. But this movie, it was uh, 
Like they they got him to to act as though his target audience was eight. I think. Now you know what was probably the problem. They wrote it for Jim Carrey, and nobody mugs for the camera better than Jim Carrey. Yeah. And they totally wrote it that he was going to mug and improv his way out of a bad mm. script, and then they just like slotted Steve Carell in and basically tinkered with it, not really realizing that he's not the same kind of actor as Jim Carrey is. Yeah. I, I, All the gags were also. It's pretty not funny. Like, yeah. Like, I kept waiting for the funny bits. Well, isn't this... This is the most expensive comedy of all time, right? I it believe cost, so, yeah. It was like uh, the only comedy ever made that cost like $200 million it's to like make. like $178 million. Yeah. Because of all the visual effects yeah. and the yeah. animals, and they actually built like a practical arc and the mm-hmm. whole nine yards, right? That it just, you know, the 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 price tag shot through the roof right but when you're like doing a jim carrey vehicle in 2007 when he's one of the most famous people in the world you're like 170 million go for it yeah right so in bruce almighty Mm -hmm. what was what was the overall plot and what was god's role god bestowed jim carrey's character bruce with the power of the divine okay Mm -hmm. because in this one i don't know i mean i have a problem with the whole Noah or the whole Noah and God story where God's a big dick and wants to kill everyone. <laughs> okay. okay except all right. for Noah. Yeah. yeah. Bit of a chip in the shoulder. But so this one actually has that plot. Like God is like, I'm going to drown the world. Yeah. No. Okay. No, no, he's not going to drown the world. Well, th- when you start the movie, you think he is. Yeah, I guess you do. That's yeah. what he says he's going to do more <laughs> or less. He doesn't say those exact I words. I don't think he says the world. I think he just, uh, he just kind of gets it into Jim Carrey's head that a flood is coming. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and he gives him all the resources to uh, to make the the ark. Yeah, uh, a big hunk, of, a big pallet of wood gets dropped off in front of his brand new house because he he becomes a, a congressman. Yeah. Like he gets elected, just like <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the movie, he's like, "Well, we're we've left that town where I was a news anchor. Yeah, and now I am I'm uh, a junior congressman. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all <laughs> right. I've so a little moved to a whole not, new town. These are not the newscasters you're looking for. Hand waving yeah, moment. Exactly. Right? This this movie requires the newscaster character to be a, a congressman. A congressman. So let's have him get a elected right in the first scene uh-huh. and say goodbye to him and he moves into his new house. Anyway, they drop off this pallet of wood from uh, 1-800-GO-FOR-WOOD and then yeah. he starts noticing all this stuff that's telling him Jen, uh, boy, 614? 614. Jen mm-hmm. 614, Jen 614. And like the number 614 keeps coming up and it's God telling him to look at that part in the Bible and that part says uh, build an ark out of gopher wood. Okay, but then God shows up and tells him to do all this stuff that yeah. he was kind of hinting at, and yeah. and kind of right removes so, the whole point of all the, those previous. The scenes. most ridiculous part of this was was uh, Steve Carell telling somebody, "You've got to have faith." <laughs> after he spent the entire movie denying direct evidence of a God and a message to do something, like. Uh, that's how that's how brainless this movie was. <laughs> so then all the animals show up and start falling around, and there's many hilarious scenes uh, with that stuff. People do love animals. It's it was true. It, I don't know why this wasn't a hit movie. Again, brainlessness. It was like guys going, people love lots of animals in movies. Let's just have lots of animals in the scene, and the guys will be funny. I just capering. said that. I just yeah. said that very thing. Exactly. Baboons capering. Ooh. Mm-hmm. As opposed to flinging feces like they would in real life. That's there wasn't a feces flinging. There was a llama spitting in John Goodman's face. That's of course, true. of course. So then, uh huh. He builds the ark. Yep. Gets in a lot of trouble with his family and the authorities. Yeah, because for some like, reason, kind of sorta. Yeah. And his and, family gets on board. 
eventually. Yeah, his family gets on board eventually, both literally and literally. Yeah, because they, they want to be on board when the yeah. rains come. And the flood's supposed to come. Noah's telling everyone the flood's coming. Uh, it starts to rain for like five minutes, and then it goes away. And then yeah. the dam bursts. Yeah. And only the people in the town and valley would have been in danger, which means that all the animals that came, the giraffes and the rhinos yeah. and everything that mysteriously appeared, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have been in danger had they not come to the ark. Yeah. Uh-huh. Some of whom, although some of them did help build the ark. Of course, because you need help. And yeah. um, Just like they built the pyramids in 10,000 BC. Furthermore, if I was Evan, I wouldn't spend all, I wouldn't ruin my career by uh, leaving uh, the career and building a boat by hand. Uh-huh. Out of wood <laughs> that God gave me, I'd be like, "Let's get a cruise liner. Let's all go to a cruise liner, <laughs> partner up." Oh, I see. You just you solve like, it with why, money. Why use all the ancient technology? I think in because, this modern age. I think because the supreme creator of the universe told you to. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't think that the filmmakers put as much thought into this movie as you seem to have, and Torn. That is a goddamn crime. Here's what I want. I would like to see a kind of shadow of Evan Almighty movie. Like uh, like the Ender's Game book, they started doing uh, Ender's Shadow, which was retellings of a story from somebody else's point of view. I want an Evan Almighty movie that shows that literally he just lost his fucking mind. <laughs> and in every he scene... Up in an insane asylum? No, well, like, he, like, builds an arc, but, like, he thinks it's this big, huge arc that we see in CG and that there's animals everywhere, but really it's just a bunch of two-by-fours knocked together, mm. and people, when people are, quote-unquote, seeing things that he also sees and finally getting evidence, he's just lying there gibbering like a madman, and they finally do cart him away. Got it. And like, then the flood comes and everyone dies. And no, no, not at all. Like it rains and he thinks that it's, uh, yeah. How very cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yes, exactly. That's what I want. I want it sad and pathetic and showing you what faith actually means. Trivia. Okay. Oh. For Evan Almighty. The real animals were paired two by two, but many of them were actually same sex couples. This was for safety. A bull elephant was considered a safety risk. So two females were used. Okay. With giraffes, mates can be friendly. Pairs of male giraffes were used. Hmm. Okay. So, so uh, some uh, same-sex uh, couples. Male elephants are dicks and female giraffes are dicks. That means that if they went on board the Ark to repopulate the planet, they would, uh, wouldn't work. Would not work. The Ark shown in Prestige Crest was built as a full-size Ark with added sections being built for other shots acquiring CGI. The frame of the Ark was steel with wood effect paneling to make the construction easier and cheaper. That is not surprising. It, it's a it's a it's a decently shot movie. Like uh, I, yeah. I did notice that there are a few. Uh, it's it's a technical marvel, it's but a, a train wreck. Well done. I, th- I you know good job by the crew. I guess, uh-huh. but the people in in charge of actually a good story and entertainment failed miserably. I'd like to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, from okay. 2000. Excellent movie. A Coen Brothers film set in Mississippi in 1937. Uh, three convicts escape from a jail chain gang intent on getting two loot stashed away by one of them. Uh, 
this is at his house, which is soon to be flooded by a new dam. So mm. speed is of the essence. Uh-huh. They find themselves fast talking their way out of one jam after another. And along the way, not only have to be wary of Riverside sirens, but even get to make a pretty good country record. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So Excellent th- film. This is one of those, uh, you know, the Coen brothers, their comedy side as opposed to their noir side. Right. And uh, it's uh, the first time that I ever actually started to think that George Clooney was talented. I would agree with that. Yeah. He... He's he's a Dabadan man. He's so good in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The look on his face when they're trying to jump in that train car, but they're all still chained to each other. And so he gets on, but uh, the other guys don't, and they sort of fall next to the train. Oh, that's right. And then he, woof. Yeah, yeah. So he's talking to the other sort of train guys. And before yeah. he knows it, he just gets like, he falls and gets yanked out of the train. And just the look on his face yeah. is priceless. And the timing. The like, timing. Like, even though it's not exactly realistic for him to just literally fall down and then get sucked out, yeah. just that cart, it's like the cartoon uh, character getting about to fall. Yeah. Like he's, like, you know, he's standing in midair and goes, yoink, and then phew, falls. And Same of course, the awesome. plot loosely falls along the plot of Homer's Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a, there's a cyclops. So John Goodman shows up with an eye patch. Yeah. Right. John Goodman also in Evan Almighty. Yes, but uh, much better in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Absolutely, he's a Bible salesman with an eye patch. And Perfect casting all around in this movie. Yeah. Perfect casting all around. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Even well, Babyface Nelson. Yeah, as uh, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was the fat lawyer from the practice. Okay. And he uh, he also was in uh, the other Coen Brothers movie, The Man Who Wasn't There, as the brother-in-law who rides the pig. Oh, okay. So it really, this is. Uh, I mean, it's hard to find fault in this movie. It's entertaining from pillar to post. There's nothing that I can really point a finger at saying, I wish they'd done this differently. Yeah. It's it's about as good as it gets. It's, it's you know, uh, definitely top five Coen Brother movies in my book. Yeah, and, and that movie, like, cemented that uh, Man of Constant Sorrow song, like, in my head is a great song, yeah. which it's absolutely not the style of music I would ever yeah. really listen to on my own but that thing is on my ipod now like, yeah i mean i've got the old brother where the soundtrack where they do that like three different versions of that song mm-hmm. and i listen to all of them and i don't care they actually uh, run a guy out of town on a rail which i'd never actually seen done before <laughs> which it, it actually describes taking a railroad tie yep. and making guys sit on it and yep. then running him out of town where he's obviously suffering massive groin damage as a result uh, so it's good times. Yeah, good times all around. Uh, if you have not yet seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou, run, don't walk. To yeah, go out and see it immediately. And really, you're pretty much safe to just watch every single thing that the Coen Brothers have done. It's not all great, but you're not going to go too far too far wrong on any of them. There, there is a flood scene at the very end of the movie. That's the uh, the climax, if you will. Yeah, it's a very it's a short scene, but it t- it's the whole that's the whole reason d'etre for the plot. Yes, well, and they get. It's the classic, um, you know, rock in a hard place. They're cornered. Mm-hmm. They seem to, the, the authorities seem to have the drop on them. And, uh, you know. It's kind of a deus ex machina, but it's one that you know is coming. Yeah. So it no. doesn't come out of nowhere. Exactly. And they, there's a, it's a funny moment for a bloodhound to swim past the camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, maybe I should talk about Hard Rain then. Sure. sure. 1998. Christian Slater, Mini Driver, Randy Quaid, and Morgan Freeman as God. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Freeman as a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, Said during a massive flood started by a dam accident in a small town, Tom, Christian Slater, is an armored truck guard who gets robbed by Jim, Morgan Freeman. Tom gets away with all the money and hides it. He foolishly tells the sheriff about the area he hid the money in, and the sheriff locks him up. 
Now Tom has to get to the money and keeps himself alive, battling the sheriff, Jim and his crew, and the elements. I saw this movie when it came out because I was a fan of Christian Slater and Minnie Driver in the late Mm -hmm. 90s. Mm -hmm. Uh, It seemed like a can't-miss prospect for me. And uh, I don't really remember anything about it. So it uh, <laughs> it did not stick. It did not plant the seed and allow it to germinate in my brain pan. Well, the whole thing happened in water all the time. Yeah. Like I... it was constantly in water. It had a the cool part at mm-hmm. the beginning was the jet ski chase yes. through the high school, through the flooded high school. Yes, I do remember <laughs> that. That made me think, ooh, this is kind of post-apocalyptic. I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And not in a water world way, in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> With actual sets. Yeah. I like the, also the fact that Mini Driver wasn't like, uh, a, char- like a character just rescue. Mm. Yeah. Like okay. she actually did most of the rescuing. Yeah. Um, of Chris- she got Christian Slater out of the jail cell when the jail was flooding. Mm-hmm. And all kind of she was kind of introduced like not quite halfway the story, but definitely she was like a later edition. Yeah, I definitely felt like I didn't get enough mini driver in my uh, you know in my movie. And uh, a lot of people died, and they were kind of like the only people left in town. This gang of criminals and right. mini driver and the sheriff right. and, his, and his group, and then uh, mm-hmm. and Ed Asner dies at the beginning. Oh, that's the way every movie should start. Ed <laughs> Nasner dying at the beginning. Yeah, well, that's the way Up should have started. Would have been a very different movie. I kind of <laughs> like this movie, but it wasn't good. It, it's uh, like I think I just uh, I didn't hate it when I saw it, mm-hmm. but I did not remember it yeah. either. Like it just completely left my brain probably eight minutes after I finished watching it. It's got a cool scene where people get electrocuted in the water. Mm-hmm. So there are a few, yeah, there are some choice scenes in the movie, mm-hmm. but overall, meh. Mm-hmm. Originally titled The Flood, it was changed because the filmmakers didn't want audiences to assume it was primarily a disaster. Oh, okay. Even though everybody was like knee deep in water the entire time yeah. for the entire movie. So hard rain. Uh huh. know what that means. I don't know. Every time something starts with hard, I think of boners. No, oh, boner. I mean, it says more about me than anything. I think it does. I actually, a movie that I kind of like that has a flood scene in it, Jumanji. What's the flood scene? I don't remember it. The whole thing is you play the game and then something happens in the game and then it happens and carries oh, over and in real life. Oh, that was one of they went onto the flood square or whatever? That's right. And Jumanji was shot in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So I actually knew a few people that worked on that show and right. they talked about the Jumanji flood scene. They built a set out of the pool at UBC. University of British Columbia. Mm -hmm. And so they had, they just basically had it like dumping into a pool uh, and they set this giant canister behind the set that would tip like thousands of gallons of water uh, down onto the set. And uh, there was supposed to be basically a smaller flood where the, the actors were there and then they would put the stunt people in and then do the bigger flood. Right. And actually, uh, they dumped the big flood on the actual actors hmm. unintentionally. Oh. There was some very actual real danger. And evidently, Robin Williams probably saved Kirsten Dunst from getting very badly hurt because she was right in the path. And he like kind of ran through and swept her out of the way as soon as he saw what was actually going on. So uh, my friend who worked on the show gives Robin Williams props. I also give Robin Williams props because he's a gamer, plays role-playing games with the kid, mm-hmm. with his yeah. kids, and has a copy of Spaceship Zero, the role-playing game. Oh. Oh, well. Think about that. I am thinking about that. He is quite a gamer. A friend of mine uh, runs a game store in Seattle, and Robin Williams dropped in and bought a bunch of miniatures and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Top of the list, Robin Williams. Yeah. Go for the gold. <laughs> Plus 1,000 experience points. Robin, would you like to be on Caustic Soda? That would be cool. I want to mention... Mighty Mouse. Okay. 
from 1946, the episode called The Johnstown Flood. Oh. Oh. That's a little bit hitting the nail on the head, don't you think? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> In this five-minute cartoon, the dam breaks, town is washed away. So okay. It, so Mighty Mouse doesn't even prevent this from happening. Okay. It actually, yeah. all the, the all the carnage and yeah. hu- loss of human life and whatnot. Mighty Mouse only shows up in like the last minute and a half of the of the film when when he finally receives the telegraph that uh, disaster is happening, mm-hmm. and he gets his power from drinking a jug of atomic energy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, he wasn't even Mighty Mouse at this point. He was like, you know. Clark uh, Kent. Well, that seems to happen with Mighty what, Mouse a lot. That, yeah. Like he'll like he'll be just regular mouse, and then he'll eat like a whole bunch of different vitamins and become Mighty Mouse. Yeah. Okay. So he drinks a jug labeled Atomic Energy. All right. Uh, and then basically, uh, kids do not do that at home. <laughs> if you if have a jug of Atomic, if energy, you have a jug of Atomic keep Energy, keep that corked. Don't drink it. Uh, he uses finger lightning to push the flood back into the reservoir and fix the dam. So all the crazy stuff you saw in the Throughout the beginning of the cartoon, gets undone in reverse. Oh, okay. As Mighty Mouse is pushing it back with electricity coming out of his fingers. Do you think this is where uh, the Superman people got the inspiration to have him turn uh, time in reverse by changing the rotation <laughs> yes. of the Earth? Yes, I do. Yeah. Look back at the Johnstown flood from 1946 Mighty Mouse episode. Because they watched this and they said, Finger lightning, that's stupid. Let's turn the Earth in reverse. Mm-hmm. And that's how we'll <laughs> yeah, get yeah, the yeah. same effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's the seventies, we've we've uh, we're more sophisticated. Lesser of two evils. We've got to pick one of these floods for you to get caught in as a victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know, in light of, in honor of Mighty Mouse, in honor of Mighty Mouse, I think we should go with the Johnstown flood. Yes, that, and because it involves barbed wire. Yes, you could be <laughs> swashed away in a flood with barbed wire and locomotives and uh, cattle and horses and people and uh, black pepper mills. And black pepper milk. Mm-hmm. And then you get wrapped all up with all the debris at the bridge, and then you catch on fire. Potentially. Potentially. If, if, assuming that you haven't already been crushed to death before that. Right. Okay. By okay. a tree and or a house. You're screwed, and it's going to hurt a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to propose, throw this one out there. How do you like this one? Okay. Call back to our cruise ships episode. You fall overboard into the drink. Right. Middle of the ocean. In the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the night, and you just watch the ship recede away from you in the distance. And nobody knows you're gone. Not having realized that you fell overboard. You're doomed. And won't realize for like eight hours when they go to bring, not wake you up for breakfast. So this isn't, this isn't the most uh, common occurrence which happens in which you try to commit suicide. This is somebody you either fall or are pushed overboard. Or, or you tried to commit suicide, but then you hit the water and go, oh, oh is this a I good... regret. Yeah, I regret these this actions. Is, what I'm am taking. I doing? This is really fine all here. They've got shuffleboard on there. <laughs> That's enjoyable. So, okay. So, how about that? So, two different kinds of drownings. Right. Okay. One, you know, okay. might even be a little bit self-inflicted, but uh, you might doubt your choice moments after you made it. So, in the flood, mm-hmm. I'm being carried away. Yes. There's a lot of things to look at. True, like is the things that are hurtling towards you. Yes, and the things that I'm I'm hurtling towards. Although you do become part of a shambling mound. Yes. <laughs> you do get folded into all the things to make up this part of moving, a rolling hill. This 50 foot high rolling hillside. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I just imagine I'm like trapped, wrapped in barbed wire, crucified like almost on the edge of this giant Katamari Damachi thing. And then, oh, there's the sky. Oh, there's the ground. Oh, there's the sky. Oh, there's the ground. Yeah, there would be a little bit of that. I think there actually would be. How fast would you drown? I think you would actually be crushed before you'd be drowned. 
I think you it was all the because if it looks like a shambling mound, right. the water is the very lowest stratosphere here. Mm. Like you're gonna get wrapped up in barbed wire and smushed between two houses and right. have a tree like. But at the same time, some pockets of water are gonna get squirted up through the debris and like get in your mouth and then recede back or, down, like, or wash some dirt out of your wounds. Yeah, right. You know, there's a silver line. I'm clean. To this. I'm dirty. I'm clean. I'm, I'm dirty. dirty. <laughs> I'm clean. I'm dirty. But, uh, yes, but the flood is also diluted with blood. Yes, yes. precisely. <laughs> Probably a bit of poo. Yeah, lubricated with body fluids. And a few people who haven't survived as long as you that have probably been torn asunder. Mm-hmm. Oh, the gore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas the going overboard from the cruise ship, total silence. It's just you in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the night, I'd dead be cold. eventually. Mm-hmm. You would be very cold. That is the mental anguish of knowing you're going to die. Yeah. But not knowing exactly when. Yeah. Knowing that it's completely hopeless. Yeah, you can only tread water for so long. Yeah. Is it completely hopeless, though? Another cruise ship could come along. Yeah, except the fact that that's really kind of never happened. As we remember to our cruise ships episode, (laughs) when our guest spurt pointed out that uh, finding a person who's gone overboard a cruise ship like eight hours later would be like looking for a coconut, you know, in the Pacific Ocean. Am I going to survive until the morning? Uh, well, how long do you think you can tread water for? <laughs> you get to that point where your body's starting to give up, and it's really just whether or not you can will yourself to do the painful treading water. Don't you just float? Don't you float in the ocean? You can't. Yeah, you can do what's called a dead man's float, uh, which you learn when you take some swimming lessons, and you just kind of put yourself like lie face down in the water because that's the way that your body wants to do it. And then yeah. every once in a while, lift your head up to breathe, and then put your face down. It's it's the most efficient. But like eventually, you're gonna run. But then, out. if your face is down in the water, you can see all the horrible animals down there. Oh and they're man, eat you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't exactly call it a phobia, but I am kind of uncomfortable about oceans just because of that. Like, there's so much just just the enormity of it. Deep dark. Unknown around you, yeah. Like you just have no, you can't see it, and it could be very close to you or very far away from you. And there's just weird living things that might. The want to odds eat you. are the creatures are only going to eat you once you're long gone. Once you've sunk yeah. beneath the, the well, open, they're not going to nibble at your toes. They, I've been nibbled at, not not by something that wants to <laughs> in the ocean. No, in a in, in lakes, I've been nibbled at by in a, a fish, bathing right? pool. Uh-huh. I think what would happen is as you get closer and closer to actually being dead and less and less able to like, you know, shoo things away, things will <laughs> more and more come start nibble on you. They'll be like, yeah, and then you'll twitch and they'll go away and then, but they'll stick around like vultures and eventually. Maybe I'll meet a friendly leopard seal who will bring me dead penguins to eat. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> or an unfriendly leopard seal who mm-hmm. will consider you to be a giant penguin to yeah, eat. That's probably more likely because I was wearing a tuxedo when I fell overboard. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Cause you just been <laughs> at dinner at a formal dinner on the cruise ship. <sighs> okay. So we got to make decisions. I'm just right. leaning towards uh, the flood because it'll be more exciting and faster. Oh, so you're There'll going, the, I love that adrenaline rush. Right. So you're going with the roller coaster kind of effect, right? You know, like I feel the kind of fear. Yeah, you can the, like throw your ar- arms in the air, and go ah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fear that I have at the uh, the flood is kind of like a a terror fear, a, uh-huh. yeah. like a fast terror fear. Whereas the fear I'm having in the ocean is like that slow dread. Yes, uh-huh. I hear you. That sinking, coming to the coming to grips and the with waiting, your own oh, the waiting. soon death. Although I could just drown myself. Yeah, I feel like that would be hard to like make a conscious like, decision to Just decide to, drown. to swim down. To just, yeah, swim down. Like that would be difficult, don't you yeah. think? Yeah. Like here's the thing. you In the ocean scenario, 
it, you you either you have to make a conscious decision to kind of drown, to drown no, yourself. My conscious Whereas decision is to swim. Getting caught in the Johnstown flood is, you know, it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. You're along for the ride. Yeah. Right? That, so that's why you're going with the roller coaster. Somebody else is pulling going, the lever. Yeah, I'm going with the roller coaster, roller coaster. And also, just because even though you're saying it's very unlikely, I'm imagining myself <laughs> stuck to that uh, the stony bridge. Uh-huh. In barbed wire, right. that catches on fire mm-hmm. and, and surviving, and I have things to look at. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're going with like you know the cinema, the cinematic yes, element exactly. side like, of it, like the burning debris right in front of your yeah, face exactly. as it catches your hair <laughs> exactly. on fire while you're <laughs> impaled by a hey, big. I can see my house from here. Oh, it's right next to me. It came along. <laughs> oh yeah, with me it, and, it, uh, it's on fire. Came along for the ride. Yeah. yeah, like your stomach is impaled on the rebar from a bridge that washed yeah. uh, up from later, and there's flame all around you burning parts of your skin but you're not catching on fire yourself because you're covered in the water it's more <sighs> romantic i don't know i this is a tough one uh they're you both say that awful. every time i do uh-huh. i think i could change my mind at any given time um i mean I, I think i would have to go for the for the flood simply because it'd be over quicker i i do think that the that the just knowing i'm doomed for that long would eventually the dread, huh? You really would just dread be worse. Dread. Would be worse than the physical pain. Mm-hmm. Like not right away. I think for the. I think for the first. Uh, I don't know how long I would last, but you know, dozen hours or so, if I could just keep myself floating and alive, I would be like maybe hopeful. Uh-huh. And after a while, going, yeah, I'm not there. This is the middle of the ocean. Well, maybe There's you're gonna find. Maybe you're gonna coming. find that island and become like Robinson Crusoe, which would also be terrible. <laughs> There'd be no internet nope. on there. You can make your own internet out of coconuts. <laughs> I'm going to go with the ocean, right? I'm okay. going to go with the ocean drowning, but not because I think that that is a better fate. Yeah. You know, I don't really, I really don't like the idea of crushing, but I just, I think I'd be ticked off that I get caught in the Johnstown flood after that earthen dam collapsed because a bunch of rich sportsmen wanted to be able to fish whenever <laughs> the fuck they wanted. Right. Right. So I'd be like, curse you. Yeah, but now they can't. Rich sportsmen. And then, uh, you know, so it would, like, take all the roller coaster fun out of it for me. Okay. All right. So two for uh, Flood. And And one for Ocean. One for Ocean. Yeah, and it's less squishy, less painful. (laughs) It's true. Like I said, I could easily flip. uh, Well, yeah, it's less painful because you lose all senses in your skin because you've been freezing to death. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on which ocean, which area of the ocean you get dropped into. Well, I guess that's a question we have to answer. Which ocean, Kevin? Uh, can, can, well, cruise ships, the most Indian Ocean. In, most of them in the Caribbean. All right, so you know, mm-hmm. uh, more sharks. Yeah, is that a positive or a negative? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if it's true. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think fear of sharks would be more of an would be the negative. Uh-huh. Although then there's you know, like I said, fear of rebar. In the other one, but it's a very quick fear, and it actually is there, so it's not fear of the unknown. Yeah, that's why. I... Plus, in the turmoil of the Shambling Mound, you could have like a wire monster that looks like a shark come out at oh, you. Yeah, you know what? Just I've totally changed my mind. Okay, oh. <laughs> I am now gonna go with the flood because call back to our funerals episode, right? The way that I want to be buried is be blown up by dynamite until I'm blown into an atom. Oh, there you go. So, so you're they, somewhere in that giant so pile I'm of debris. Jammed in the pile of flotsam and jetsam that they end up having to blow up with dynamite, so I get my wish. 
It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back. When the week is new, and we'll have more gross facts for you, and you'll have things you want to hear about, we will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while undergoing buckyball therapy. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast. Or email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'm going to keep pronouncing it Benki Owl. You pronounce it whatever way you want. Because of the absence of hydrology. And I'll keep down. pronouncing debris Debris, and we'll all be I, happy. Right, no, Joe? No. <laughs> no. Happy. <laughs>